on May 2nd, 2015, for Confabulation's fifth anniversary, we had a night filled with Montreal stories. Stories that could only happen here, that remind us why we love this city, or that just feel like this place. An homage to the city where Confabulation dug its roots. This week on the podcast, we bring you one of those stories shared by Cassandra Tognari. From No More Radio, this is Confabulation, the podcast. I'm not Matt Goldberg, but I am Paula Flalo. Confabulation is Montreal's premier all-true storytelling series, where each month we bring you six stories, or sometimes more, without notes, props, or gimmicks, all told from the people that live them. Cassandra Tocneri is an actress, a communications and PR consultant, and someone who is just about to leave Montreal for another island and a new adventure out in the beautiful city of Victoria, British Columbia. Cassandra's story from our fifth anniversary doesn't just share memories of Montreal, but also reminds us that somewhere deep inside, we all wish we were kids again. Here's Cassandra's story. So 2010, the summer of 2010, is my first summer in Montreal. I have just endured a long, cold, lonely winter in Montreal. And uh, I'm working at a clothing store, and I don't know many people. So my manager, Aaron, and I become pretty close. We're pretty good friends. And Aaron, I have to say off the top, is, is an interesting person. She, um, most of the time, I don't know what she's talking about. She's really, you know, she talks about energy and chakras and hippie things. And then, but then sometimes she'll drop these philosophical truisms that floor me and shake me to my core. And she's the smartest person ever. So she's one of those. She's a, she's a mystery. So she also has a daughter, Aya, who is beautiful and precocious and charming and hilarious and is five years old at the time. I spend a lot of time with them at the store. One day at the store, this woman comes in. She has a really fun time shopping with us. So as a gift, she gives us three tickets to the show she's working on at Place des Arts. She's on tour with uh, the 90s tap sensation Tap Dogs. I don't know if you remember that show. <laughs> Amazing. So she gives us tickets, and, and uh, we're going to go down to the show with Aya. It's great. We're so excited. So we figure out all the logistics. I have clothes on layaway that I'm going to wear to the show. Aya and Aaron are going to leave early. I'm going to close the store because you have to feed children and dress them before you you take them places, very important. So they leave and then I go meet them after I lock up the store and Aya comes out of her room and she is in this perfect little dress. It's white and it's sparkly on top and it has crinoline and tulle and not to sound cheesy, but she's like a fairy angel princess child. It's perfect. And she has a little headpiece but me, being me, practical, I zero in on the shoes that she's wearing. And they're these crappy, cheap costume shop shoes that have, you know, like just a strap over the foot. And they're never going to last. They have no support and no, you know, they make no sense for her to be wearing these shoes. So I say, Aya, you can't wear those shoes because you're not going to be comfortable. And she says, oh, I'm going to wear them. They go with my dress. Like, yeah, I know they go with your dress, but you're not going to be comfortable. You're going to get upset, and then, you know, I'm going to have to carry you everywhere, and I don't want to do that. This is a relationship I have with Aya. I can just tell her what to do. Her mom is right there, and I'm like, you're not wearing those shoes. And she wins. She decides she's going to wear the shoes, but lo and behold, two blocks later, she turns to me and says, my feet hurt. And I hold in the I told you so's um, because she's like a little sister to me at this time. And, and I'm pretty real with her, you know, like when she's bugging me, I let her know and vice versa. So I, I keep it in for this one, though. And I run back and get the shoes while they go to Provigo and get snacks. Very important. We're hungry. I haven't eaten yet. Should have thought that through because we get on the bus with our snacks and we have like 10 pieces of salami and a bag of 
crappy marshmallows. Like, that's what they got <laughs> at Provigo. <laughs> I was like, okay, great. So whatever, we eat the salami and we go down to the show. We see the show, it's great. Aya behaves really well. She makes it, it's a long show. And after the show, uh, we get let out and we go into Place des Arts in the, in the Quartier des Spectacles, you know, the long area where the, there's always a free arcade fire show or whatever, there's like that Francophilie, that long area, you know, and there's those, uh, those fountains where the water just comes out of the ground. And Aya sees those and turns to her mother and says, mommy, mommy, please, can I go play in the fountain? And I say, no, you are not playing in the fountain. You're going to be soaking wet, and you're going to have a meltdown. It's not happening. You are not playing in the fountain. And the two of them just look at me. And I don't know if it's like a look of, it's not like, mind your own business. Like, this is my child. Like, she can do what she wants. And, but really, Aaron just turns to me and says, Cassandra, why don't you let Aya be a little kid? It's really great. You should just let her be a child. <laughs> OK, fine. Let her go play in the water. It's fine. So Aya then proceeds to put on the most beautiful, touching, childlike performance I've ever seen. She just runs up to the water and it goes into the ground and she waits and then it comes up and she gets all wet and she's so delighted and she's laughing. She's running around and she's like running patterns through the, through the water and the lights that come out, they're white and red and soft and warm and everything's kind of fuzzy and I'm sitting back and watching and I'm a little choked up because it's, remember she's in this fairy dress jumping around in the water and it's so cute and it's so beautiful and it's so innocent it's just you could just puke it's so cute <laughs> and I'm just kind of reveling in, the, in this moment watching this child you know perform this like French film in front of me <laughs> and then I realize that I'm not alone like in the 20 minutes that this has been going on like 200 people have amassed <laughs> at a respectful distance from the water fountains to watch Aya and I mean, the little rascals started a revolution because all these other little kids are kind of like going up to their parents and being like, can I go play in the water? And you can see the parents, they can't say no because it's so amazing. So those kids go play in the water and this goes on for you know 30 minutes and then Aya being a five-year-old hipster, once there's six people playing, she's so over it. <laughs> so, so she gets bored and like trots over to us and she's so pleased with herself because she knows she put on a show, but it was great. Um, and she comes up to us and then we say, okay, Aya, let's go, we're gonna, we're gonna take the bus. And I put my hand out to her to take her hand and take her to the bus with her mom. And she just looks at me and she looks at her mom and she kind of realizes as the breeze passes by that she's soaking wet and she's really cold and it's gonna be a half an hour till we get home. Hmm. Meltdown, total meltdown. Just like, oh, I'm so cold, I'm so cold. And she's like so upset and part of me wants to laugh and be like, I told you this would happen. But I'm not a monster. So, so we take Aya, we grab her by the hands. Aaron and I get in like fix-it mode. We just grab her and we, we run behind, you know, like you cam. There's like a couple of little places where there's no people. So we run behind there and open our purses and try to figure it out. Turns out I'm Mary Poppins. I had an extra pair of pants and a t-shirt in my bag. I didn't even know. They were just in there. And uh, I pull them out and they're these like Lululemon gauchos. They're short. And uh, so they're going to work, I guess, but A is five and I'm 27, so they don't really fit. <laughs> but her mother has the brilliant idea. She remembers that she has a clean pair of A's underwear in her bag. Apparently, this is a thing mothers do. It makes sense, clean underwear. 
accidents happen, little kids. So she pulls out the underwear, we put the pants on, and then the underwear over top. <laughs> and I was still crying with no shirt on, just wailing hysterically, and we put the t-shirt on, and then she's warm, and then she has a moment, and she kind of like stops. She takes it in, she's warm, she's okay. And then she looks at her mom and she says, I'm hungry. <laughs> and Erin doesn't miss a beat. She whips out these half-eaten marshmallows that we have. She's like, here, this is all I have. And she goes, but I want real food. And Erin says, well, what do you want, Aya? And she goes, potatoes. And I die laughing, and Erin dies laughing. Also because the kid, just like her mother, drops a philosophical truth that is hitting me to my core, potatoes. Is there a more real food? <laughs> Literally millions of people died because they ran out of potatoes. So yes, Aya, yes, you can have potatoes. We will get you potatoes. That is fair. That is a fair thing to say. Absolutely. So we get on the bus, and uh, they invite me to go get potatoes, and I'm good. I feel like, you know, I've been hanging out with Aya all day. I feel like I handled the meltdown pretty well for me. And uh, I've had enough. So I let them go off, and I get off at my stop, and I'm, and I'm walking home on Jean Moss, and I'm looking up at all the beautiful things that you don't notice in the winter because you're just so cold. So in the summer, you see everything, and it's so beautiful, and you're so happy to be there. And I'm wondering, like, why did this thing move me so much? Why was it so amazing to me that this kid ran through the fountain? And I guess it was the first time I realized where I envied a child. Like, I envied the fact that she was a child, and I wished that I could be a child again. I was 27. I always wanted to be older. At that point, I realized, like, wow, being a kid is amazing. No consequences. She had no concept of consequences whatsoever. And then what happened was this beautiful moment that 200 people enjoyed, and it was amazing. And, and I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about leaving and I'm two weeks away, I kind of just realized that this city is a little bit of a neverland for Montrealers. It keeps us all a little bit young. We drink, you know, out of the fountain of youth, and, and, then, uh, and then I guess some of us move on. So, yeah, it's good to be here. Thank you so much. And we're back in the studio, and I, I'm really excited to welcome onto the show. This is your first time on the podcast, I think. Yes. Cassandra Toneri. Hey, Cassandra. Hi, Paul. It's sad that you're leaving Montreal. Well, you know, it is sad. It's a hard place to leave, but it, there's something about Montreal that's special, which is it'll always be here, and, and there are certain parts about it, the parts that you truly love, that don't really change, I think. So mm -hmm. that's comforting. I'm curious. What were you like as a child? <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was pretty hyper. I had a hard time sitting still, mm -hmm. which I think is still true to an extent now. You know, I, I, I can control it because I'm a grown up. But I was pretty hyper. I was pretty curious. I was very social. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I was I was a weird kid. I was a silly kid. Like I, in, when I was six years old, I remember I would get really mad when people would have the same things as me. Like copycats really made me angry. I don't know why it's so unreasonable, but, um, so yeah, I had a lot of quirks, but mostly I was pretty energetic and pretty, pretty happy-go-lucky kid. Why do you want to be a child again? I don't know. Well, the thing about that story is, is that I wanted to be a child for a moment. Mm -hmm. And then when the kid is incapable of taking care of herself and is a complete soaking wet mess and can't clothe herself or feed herself, 
I don't want to be a child anymore. I'm really, I'm happy to be an adult. But I think there's something really exciting about kids that they don't have such an understanding of consequences so they can go and be free of inhibition and free of fear in a lot of ways. They're so fearless. And uh, I think as you, I grow up, I've grown up, there's been a lot of things that I've been afraid of and like afraid of trying things and failure is such a thing that a lot of people are afraid of. And when you're a kid, you don't really worry about that so much. And you don't like need to spend a bunch of money on clothes all the time, which is really annoying as a grown up. Is that that's the one <laughs> annoying thing? <laughs> you know what? Money is an annoying thing yes. about about adulthood. You know, it's such a it's such a thing. It's such a. Um, the thing we have to worry about all the time, you know, mm-hmm. you have to take a great job that pays a lot of money, even though you'd rather just be an artist and live in Montreal and live the studio life. But mm-hmm. yeah, when you're a kid, you don't really think about those things. You're not really afraid of that kind of stuff. You don't have to be. You have a very unique relationship with Aya in the story. Yes. You have a, you, you, you almost treat her like, like she's not a kid. She's an equal. Absolutely. She is, you know, like you're very straightforward with her. And I'm curious, like, how, are you like that with all children? Is that something that you sort of try with everybody? I don't know. I'm trying to think of my relationship with other kids. I don't have, I don't know that many kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think because I'm a little sister, um, there's a part of me that can meet little kids on a certain level. I can be just as bratty and just as like, I, I want that too. Like I can, you know, if they get a cookie, I'm like, I want a cookie. Like, you know, like I'm a grown woman and I can, I can still, um, relate to that kind of childlike things. I think that's something that the younger sibling always has mm-hmm. for some reason. So I think that was part of it, but she was just around a lot and she's a really smart kid. She's a really intuitive kid. She's been a l- around a lot of grown ups, And so it was really easy to just give her straight talk and be like, leave me alone right now. Or, hey, yeah, please come play with me right now. <laughs> like she, Because she's a pretty special spirit. Like you want to hang out with that kid. She's, I remember the first time I met her, she had like dyed pink hair and she just chose that at the hairdresser. And her mom, her mom's cool that way. Is like, yeah, sure, dye your hair, you know, because it's not the end of the world. And all the other moms at the school were scandalized by this. But to her, it was no big deal. So she was really cool. And I mean, she would, treat me the same way like if she didn't want to talk to me she wouldn't mm-hmm. at all so yeah we had a pretty real relationship it was great there's something very authentic with authentic and very straightforward with kids i experienced yes. that with my nephews and my niece that when they don't want to do something they don't want to do something and there's nothing you can do to change their mind yeah oh, well you can try sometimes you can bribe them and manipulate them bribing and manipulating is a large part of getting kids to behave and i think um, non-parent. I'm not a parent, but I've witnessed a lot of non-parents um, mm-hmm. be really judgmental about, oh, that kid's got McDonald's, or you know, kids having things that they maybe shouldn't have that aren't great for them. And it's like sometimes a parent just needs the kid to be quiet and be calm, mm-hmm. and sometimes getting them a happy meal mm-hmm. is going to do that, or like putting them in front of the TV or giving them, you know, it's just going to do that. Like I don't know. But I have friends who are parents, and it looks freaking hard. Yeah. So I think, you know, bribing is an excellent, <laughs> excellent method of child rearing, as far as I can tell. And if I'm ever a parent, I intend on using that method. Sounds great. Easy. Uh, you do describe at the end of the story, very loosely, that one of the things that you realize, the revelation for you, is that you become envious of this child. Yeah. So what is it like envying a child? What is it like for you? Describe that feeling. Oh, that's tough. It's um, it's a little bit sad. It's mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, 
It's a little bit of melancholy. It's a little bit, it's nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's really funny. Like you kind of have to laugh at yourself because I would imagine a lot of people wish they were five years old at least once a week. You know, <laughs> they see a five-year-old or a four-year-old being pushed in a stroller. You're like, ugh, <laughs> that looks so easy. But it's, yeah, it's a little bit sad and it's a little bit nostalgic. But it's it's also beautiful because I always say like, you know, I'm in my 30s now and people talk about getting older and parents talk about getting older. And my answer and my 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 kind of saying is, well, it's better than the alternative. You know, mm-hmm. growing up is just an inevitability and it's a privilege to grow old because a lot of people don't get to. And so and that's another thing about adulthood that you start to realize is that people, not everybody makes it to the very old age. And so it's a privilege. So. It's sad, but it's also beautiful. And, and I had a great, great childhood. I was lucky. I had a happy childhood. I lived in the country. We had a pool. We went on trips. I was very lucky. So when I look back on my childhood, I'm just grateful. Yeah. There's a point in the story as well that you mentioned that when you were a child, all you thought about was growing up. Yeah. Why? Well, okay, so you know how American kids are like, I wanted to move to New York, I want to move to L.A., or I want to go to Chicago. When I was a kid, my parents used to take us to musicals all the time, and all I wanted to do was move to Toronto. I just thought that was the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to grow up and, like, go to Toronto, and I don't know what I thought I was going to do there when I was six years old. Like, I don't know, like, eat wonton soup and, like, see musicals. Like, that that was the <laughs> happiest thing that I could think of. Um, but I think I wanted to always go exploring, and I, I probably needed to be older to go do that. So, but now I'm going to go do that Why in Victoria. Gonna... I'm going to go explore a lot. Now, you've been living in Montreal for about five, six years now? Five years. So what brought you to Montreal in the first place? Well, I was going through some changes in Toronto. I'd been there for eight years. So I did school there for four years, and I stayed for an extra four years. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I don't know, I was happy enough, but I was looking for a change. And my best friend, Julia, was here. And she was starting to get to know people, and she was really loving Montreal. And it just made sense. So I just decided one day to move here. Also, my mom's French-Canadian, so I always kind of wanted to come to Quebec and be part of my my background and my heritage mm-hmm. a little bit and see see what that was like. So Montreal seemed like the next natural progression. I mean, I grew up close to Cornwall, Ontario, which is only an hour away from Montreal, but we definitely spent more time in Ottawa and Toronto than we did in Montreal. So when I moved here, it was pretty new. Yeah, so that's why I came, and it was great. It was, it, I mean, it was hard. I got here in, I got here at the end of September in two thousand nine, oh, no. mm-hmm. and it was dark. It wasn't one of those beautiful Septembers and Octobers. It was dark and rainy and cold and awful. So it was a long <laughs> opening, <laughs> opening stretch. I always find it really funny when people move here in November, or December. Like, what are you doing? But I did it's, the same thing, and you'll be fine. What are some of the things you're going to miss most about living in Montreal? Um, there's a lot of things. I have to say, I've lived in the Myland the entire time that I've been here, and I've never lived in a better neighborhood, and I find it hard to believe that I'll ever live in a better neighborhood. I love the PA. I love the Arts Cafe. I love Milan Kicks. I love Coco Locale. Like, all these things. Like, my cupcake lady and I are on a first-name basis, mm-hmm. and I go see her all the time, and I talk about my life, and she talks about hers, and I get a cupcake, and then I leave, and a week or two later, I go see her again, and mm-hmm. it's great. And she's always there. And uh, I love my grocery store, and I love my shoe store, and I love my cafe, and I love where I get cookies, and I love the bars that I go to. Um, I I try not to leave the myland if I don't have to. I'm gonna li- I'm gonna really miss like Montreal as a whole, sure, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna miss my neighborhood. I never had that in Toronto. Um, I lived in the country before that, so 
it was our road. So that was definitely mm-hmm. a neighborhood. But I can't imagine a better neighborhood than the Mile End. So there's some there's that sentimental attachment that's grown with Montreal over the last five years oh, yeah. for you. Oh yeah. More than anything. What are you looking forward to besides the weather being yeah. different in Victoria BC? What's the most thing you're looking forward to out there? Well, I think it's a different kind of island living. I mean, in Montreal, and you don't have to take a ferry to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to take a ferry to get to the mainland. Um, I'm actually really excited about the, the difference between... I've lived in Toronto and Montreal, so really big cities. Mm-hmm. This is a mid-sized city. This is 100,000 people. That's a small town now to me. Yeah. You know, I grew up in Cornwall, which is half that size. But now, that's going to be small. Um, I'm excited about having a really outdoorsy lifestyle. I'm excited about surfing in Tofino. I know it's cold, though. I heard it's cold to surf there, but I don't even care. It's going to be amazing. I, I want to have an outdoor a more outdoor lifestyle. I want to ski a lot and be at the beach all the time. I've always wanted to live by the ocean. So I'm going to give that a try. I'm really excited to have so much more access to the West coast, like California and, mm. you know, Oregon and Washington state. Like that's going to be super fun. Um, this is such a irrational fear, but <laughs> the one thing I'm always just saying to myself is, Oh my goodness, I'm so much farther from Europe. And I haven't even been to Europe in like two years. Yeah. But I'm just like, oh my goodness, I'm so much farther from Europe now. What a ridiculous thing to say. Also, I'm going to be a lot farther than my parents than I've ever been in my life. So mm-hmm. hopefully they'll visit a lot. I'm sure they will. But you're also, because you also have a brother, right? Yes, he lives there. So he lives there. So you're actually going to be moving closer to your brother. Yeah. And I, I was saying to a few people, it's funny because my brother and I have not lived in the same city since he left for university. And, um, the only time we would really see each other is at my parents' house. Mm-hmm. So we're like children. We revert back to <laughs> being kids. We argue about the remote. We argue about who's going to sleep in which room because one bed is more comfortable than the other. We argue about all these things. And my parents just can't believe it when we argue. They're just like beside themselves that their 32-year-old daughter and 35-year-old son are just arguing about nonsensical things. So I'm excited to see him and have establish our relationship as brother and sister. That'll be different. He'll come to my house. I'll go to his house. Um, we won't fight about the remote because we'll be guests in each other's home. And, and that'll be really, I think that it's, it's important to kind of establish your relationship with your siblings outside of your parents' house, yes. which I've never really thought of before until now. <laughs> and, and I'm like, yeah, that's important. Cause my mom and her sister are like, friends they talk all yeah. the time um my brother and i talk a lot now because i'm moving there so i'm excited to have a, a closer relationship so with him develop a relationship that's not childlike yeah that's not uh reverting back to me as a five-year-old little sister yeah <laughs> so in a sense we've come now full circle from it's your story true. and being a little child <laughs> to now essentially becoming a child again yeah in some ways. Well, you know, in, in theater school, somebody, some teacher said to me, there's a difference between childish and mm-hmm. childlike. And I think being childish is no good. Nobody should be childish when they're grownups because that means you're just being a baby and nobody likes that. But being childlike is such an important quality in a lot of people. And it's a nice quality to try to keep within yourself. A childlike mm-hmm. spirit is very useful and very, very good in parts of life. So, yeah. Well, that's a great and perfect note to end on. Cassandra, we wish you all the best of luck out in Detroit, BC. thank you so much. We're going to miss you. I'm going to miss you, too. Matt's going to miss you, too. Everyone's going to miss you. I'm going to miss the city. It's a beautiful, beautiful city. And and like I said in the story, it's it's an absolute privilege and pleasure to live here. And I'm so glad that I came here for five years. I I wouldn't change it for anything. And I would recommend it to anyone to live here. It's great. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Fabulation, the podcast, is hosted normally by Matt Goldberg, but this week it's hosted by me and also produced by me, Paul Lalo. The podcast is available weekly on No More Radio. You can check out all of our podcasts on nomoradio.com. Support for No More Radio comes from the Montreal Improv Theater. You can check them out at montrealimprov.com. For more information about Confabulation, you can head over to confabulationmontreal.com or .ca because we bought both. You can like us on Facebook, <laughs> facebook.com slash confabmtl, or you can follow us on Twitter at confabmtl. And don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes or whichever podcast app you might love. We'll see you next week, or you'll hear us next week. You know how radio works, right? Mm-hmm.